welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica, and joining us today is David Decker, CEO of Denago eBikes. Today we're talking electric bikes and UL safety and certification. But as always, I'd like to first start with a little background on on our guest, on David, and find out where you came from, how you sort of uh, got into this this whole field and uh, origins of Denago e-bikes. Perfect. Perfect. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, start out a little bit about myself. I've always been an avid cyclist. I love, love, love the sport. I love that, love the industry. And about 20 years ago, 17 years ago, I had the opportunity to actually work in the industry with Pacific Cycle, which was at the time the home of Schwinn, Mongoose, GT, and then eventually Cannondale. So that's kind of how my career started in the bike industry. And, and you always talk about back back in the day, right? We always say back in the day when there, there were these crazy bikes coming out with a battery on them. And and we, you know, and, and it was so controversial in the industry. Oh, that'll never work. No one's going to ride a bike with a battery. Why do you need a battery on a bike? And as time goes on, more and more people were riding bikes and more and more people were saying, hey, this isn't a bad thing. This is a, this is actually a, a pretty cool piece of transportation, which leads me into Denago. I had the opportunity almost two years ago, um, a group of private investors reached out to me and we started talking about forming a company that would specialize in e-bikes and the e-bike on um, the IBB or the independent bike dealer market. And private so- invest- Private investors reached out to you. Isn't that how everybody would like it to be, right? This is this is the opposite of what most people have to do. So I, I, I'll come clean on that. I didn't answer the call the first time. Oh my god! I, I did not. Um, and we joke around about it. I, I didn't because um, I, I just didn't take the call. And a couple of weeks later, they called back, and I was like, eh, maybe I'll take it. And we started talking, and we had a great conversation. They share the same passion of. Of like, you know, I'll throw some terms out. I'll try to stay consistent, but micromobility, right? They're very passionate about micromobility and they they viewed e-bikes as part of that portfolio of products to, um, to get out that are all uh, powered um, by electricity. But then I'll tell you about our name. So our biggest investor. And what so, year was this? This was late October of 2021. Okay. Yeah, so we're a relatively new company, and people always ask about the, the the brand name Denago. Our biggest investor loves Denali Park. He's taken his family there multiple times, and he always says he was just inspired not only by the sheer beauty of the park, but just the sense of freedom of exploration that 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 piece of land gives you. So that's what we wanted to try to capture with our e-bikes, really, and that's what electric bikes are all about. They give you that freedom and power to explore more than you probably could on a regular bike. And then we also recognize that there's a gap in this market because, as I said before, bike, these e-bikes kind of fall in between things, right? They, they're, they're, they're not a car. 
but they're not not a, what we'd say an acoustic bike. So we thought there was a huge opportunity to, to, to make a high quality product line that's affordable, sold through the independent bike dealer markets. And then we also thought that the keys to success with that is having a great customer service team and just a very knowledgeable uh, staff. So I was thinking about it collectively. Our, our core team right now has over 150 years in the bike industry. And that's working in shops, working for other brands and working for or just working in the industry. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, yeah, now everything is like e-bikes, 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 especially, you know, I guess we're a clean tech site. So we get more of the tech yeah. companies, but there's a lot of variation in what those e-bikes are and how much there's a bike history or bike uh, sensibility uh, behind them. And I really love what you said about the beginning years of, of that, because so my master, my master's degree was city and regional planning from University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And my master's thesis was focused on bicycle transportation and bicycle facilities. So how specific bicycle facilities correlated to bicycle transportation, whether that's off-road bike paths, on-road bike lanes, bike parking facilities, bike garages. All, I, I really got into detail to a degree no one ever had. And I did a comparative study in the Netherlands and Montgomery County, Maryland. And then out of that, I became director of a nonprofit in Charlottesville, Virginia, focused on advancing biking and all this stuff. So this was 2008 that I was the director, 2008, 2009, or, or 2007, 2008, sorry. And I remember e-bikes starting to become a thing. And it was the same feel, like what you were just talking about was like, just brought me right back to 2008 or whatever. And it was just like, I was like, yeah, those are cool. Yeah, that's fine. I guess, yeah, that helps people who can't bike well or, you know, whatever. But I was like, you know, but, you know, you get a bike, you bike, you don't, you don't get an e-bike. And yeah. I didn't see how big they would become. You know, it was sort of like, I guess there was a kind of sense like, yeah, that's a, I guess we can call that a bike, but it's something between a bike and a scooter. Right. Yeah. And yes. then, I mean, and then they just grew so fast for the past uh, 15 years. And I mean, we have three e-bikes. That's what we have. And then, and then you you bike with them or you e-bike with them, whatever you you need or feel like. So it makes a lot of sense. It's been an interesting evolution. And the thing is, I think there isn't always there isn't always that tie to the historical bike routes and bikes and bike communities. And uh, it's always great when an e-bike company has that connection. So yeah, anything more you have to say about that would be. I'm, I'm curious, but otherwise we'll move on to the next. Yeah, I was, no, just kind of going back to a point you said on the e-bikes, right? And I think why why we like e-bikes so much is because it, it, it and, and when we work with our independent bike dealers on this, it opens up a whole new customer base, right? Because a lot of people don't want to get sweaty. A lot of people don't care about how many watts you, 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 you put out. They don't care about your Strava segment, right? I mean, we might, but a lot, like, a lot of customers don't. They just want economical, environmentally friendly vehicle to get them from point a to point b or they just want to get back out, out and ride and 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 i think you and i you're you're a cyclist as well i mean riding a bike is great for mental health as well right yeah. it just gets you outdoors it, it's just and i think that's the the beauty of e-bikes it just has opened up a whole new demographic of people who want to get outdoors ride help the environment and just in, in, enjoy being outside 
Yeah, no. And I mean, I was never a road, like a fast road biker. I was always a Dutch kind of style biker, mm -hmm. just cruising along on an old cruise, old Dutch kind of style bike or something. I would get passed by Amish people sometimes here. So, you know, that was my, my pace. So I should have seen, and now I'm, you know, I'm over 40 and a hundred percent. I like, I need an e-bike that way. If I get too, if, if I get too tired or my knees starts hurting or I'm going up a hill and my daughter's flying in front, you know, flying off, I, I can catch up, you know, so I, I totally, and it's just, it's the, the wonderful thing about it is the versatility that you can do either way with, with a bike. And if you want to push yourself, Hey, it's extra, it's heavier. So it's heavy, even, right? it's heavy. better it's exercise. Good workout. Yeah. Yeah. Remote workers and other citizens of the world seeking a vibrant community and a sustainable, all-inclusive travel experience tailored to modern professionals need to know about Surfbreak. With locations in Honolulu, Hawaii, and Puerto Escondido, Mexico, Surfbreak is a co-living and co-working community designed for professionals, slow tourists, or anyone looking for a full-service living experience that enables real connections to thrive. Surfbreak's unique lifestyle concept promotes unplanned collaboration and spontaneous collision that helps new ideas blossom with a supportive environment, all with an emphasis on authenticity and sustainability. Clean Tech Talk listeners get $100 off your first day when you mention Clean Technica at sign up. Clean Technica's founder, Scott Cooney, says their concept is simple. They create a space where people interact without having to work at it or plan it and provide the right resources for connection and enjoyment. And the magic follows. Be part of that magic and do it for $100 less when you mention Clean Technica. Offer valid for new Surfbreak signups only. Terms and conditions apply. See surfbreakcoliving.com for more info. Yeah, so I guess one interesting challenge maybe we can say about it is with the batteries, there come safety and, and tech issues that need supervision, need kind of to follow certain standards. And that hasn't typically always been the case. So some people might just produce an e-bike on the cheap that's not as thoroughly tested or or as safe as another e-bike. So I guess to start with the basics of like safety, you've got the UL certification, which I think everyone's heard of, but probably most people don't really know what it is. But, you know, you, you see commercials and ask like UL certified, you know, UL safety. So people know it's connected to safety, but what is UL exactly? Yeah. So yeah, that, that, is, that is the topic in the industry right now. So UL, which is Underwriters Laboratory, it, I mean, it's, it's actually a pretty old company. I think it was founded like early 1900s, late like 1890s. It's a globally recognized organization that develops and publishes safety standards for just a wide range of products. And I think like where, where most people see UL is like light bulbs, extension cords. Um, when they go to a home center and buy an outlet, they should have a UL standard. Really what it is, it's to UL is, I, I look at UL as they really are a consumer advocacy group. You know, they want to make sure there's standards set in place that provide um, a level of safety and a level of performance for the products. And that's something that as e-bikes are getting more and more common, UL is getting a, a, a much more influential in the e-bike space. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, from like a, a simple consumer perspective, I think you see, oh, UL certified so much on products or I have over the years that you just sort of assume, oh, if it's sold, it's UL certified sometimes, but that's not the case. I mean, that's obviously why it's highlighted sometimes, but in the e-bike industry, how much can you say, like how much 
of the industry is UL certified in, in the U.S. Just, or, I mean, I know you. That's a that's a hard that's a hard, thing, that, that's, just, that's hard. But just um, generally speaking, are there a lot of e-bikes that are not UL certified, and are most UL certified, or it's hard um, to say. It's hard to say, but unfortunately, um, there are brands that are not UL certified because it is it's 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 not necessarily enforced. It's it's guidelines, right? Um, it's guidelines and it's a standard. Now I think we're going to get into it. It, it. It's starting to get enforced, right? It's starting to get enforced in New York. Yeah, and um, what are the specific bikes standards under uh, from UL? Okay, so there's actually two. It, 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 I'll tell you, it, it, it's 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 complicated, but it's not when you just break it down into some real simple buckets. So the first bucket is UL 2271. And that one's that's the one that focuses strictly and specifically on lithium ion batteries that are used in light electric vehicles or LEVs. And then everyone knows like lithium ion batteries are used because they have really high energy density and efficiency. So the UL 2271 covers safety testing, mechanical testing, electrical testing, and environmental testing of the battery. So some of these tests are like for safety testing, they talk about like thermal runaway, short circuits, overcharging, mechanical testing on the battery pack is crush, impact, puncture resistance, electrical testing is on the capacity voltage cycle life and then environmental testing is in like like what we were talking about before the podcast some of the extreme weather right some of the the extreme lows the extreme highs the humidity um and that's the battery so then so then ul does all that testing yeah Yes. So UL has, UL, UL is a certified lab and they also have several other labs that are certified. So it's, it's very important as a manufacturer that you either work with UL or one of those certified labs to get, to be compliant. So then the second part of this testing is called UL 2849. And that's the one, if you Google, you'll get, that's the one that you get a lot of hits on right now, because a lot of people are trying to understand that. So that one's designed specifically for the e-bike, the, the complete system, not just the battery. Focuses on the safety and the performance of the entire electrical and electronic components of a bike. So like the electronics and the electrical components, it's battery, the charger, and any other components on the e-bike. The environmental testing is how the entire bike performs in some, some different environments, you know, you have like in, in water, dust, extreme temperatures, and then there's the electrical testing of how it performs under the electrical uh, propulsion system that includes like the voltage limits and e- electrical insulation, if that makes so. So there's yeah, a lot. To, there's a lot to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's helpful. I mean, honestly, that's helpful for knowing. There's a lot more to it than you might think on the surface as non-technical person but yeah i i you know we've been covering responding to clean tech myths and uh kind of hit pieces and attacks on clean tech for over a decade and you know the there's a lot of kind of fud fear uncertainty and doubt stirred up around ev battery safety and all that and so it's like i'm the last person who should be influenced by it but when you know some stories started popping up about electric bike fires in garages because some batteries weren't safe or something, you immediately worry like, oh, are the e-bikes in my garage safe? <laughs> you know, it's like I know that's like 
a small number of bikes out of millions. And I know, you know, the whole story of how this happens in the media, but it's still, it's just a natural, like, of course, you don't want to be the one who's got an e-bike that's not really safe enough. So with UL certification for both the the battery and the whole e-bike system, I mean, you should feel as comfortable as you feel having a blender in your kitchen, right? I mean, this is like, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, I'll say this: UL testing and certification, it, it's it's not like that magic bullet, right? You still, as a consumer, have to be educated and follow the guidelines of of the manufacturer, you know, about how you charge your battery and where you charge your battery. Keep it in a clean and dry environment. Check the charging ports and plugs for debris before you charge. You know, talk about temperature, batteries, um, batteries generate heat, right? They just, they do generate heat. So be aware of that situation where you're charging your bike. Um, if it's, you know, you know I, I, we didn't touch base on this, but we are headquartered in Dallas. And yeah, we talked I, about this before the call. He's in Dallas, in Florida. <laughs> yeah. and we talked for five minutes about the intense heat waves and global heating that's going on. But yeah, no, I mean, you have to think about that in, in Florida and Dallas, I'm sure where it's like any extra heat is, I mean, you're already worried about heat. So any extra heat, you really have to be really cautious and thoughtful. about. Absolutely. It was, um, you know, it was um, in, in my garage, it was 119 degrees. Yeah. So, so I, I know I, I, I bring my e-bike batteries inside. I do mm-hmm. because it, that it, 119 and can get, can get hotter. Um, you just have to. Just I'm going to start bringing my sense. e-bike batteries inside too. Now that you mentioned it, because it <laughs> feels very hot in our garage sometimes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, and it, I guess having an electric car in the garage too. You, but the electric car is cooling the, those batteries all the time. My, yeah. my, my daughter asked one day, "It's like, why is the car so loud?" It's like because it's hot out there. <laughs> the car is <laughs> the batteries to keep it safe. But yeah, so you mentioned New York City is taking a lead on on this in some ways. Can you explain what's happening in New York City with this, with UL certification and e-bikes? Yeah, this is timely. Actually, UL, or, um, New York City passed legislation. It was called a Local Law 39 um, that's going to require all e-bikes to meet the UL 20, all e-bike batteries to meet the UL 2271 standard and all e-bikes sold alone they're all complete e-bikes, the UL 2849 standard. The law actually takes effect this Friday, I think. So, so it's, I'm not sure when this will be airing, but it's the 13th today. It takes place on September 16th. So the law goes into effect three days from today. Yeah, hopefully, I think this will air next week. So <laughs> right after that goes into effect. But yeah, I'm sure there will be a lot of questions afterward. So so what does that mean then for retailers and for consumers as that goes into effect? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, New York is is a leading city of the U.S., right? It's 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 one of the largest cities in, in the U.S. And I think a lot of other cities start watching what these big cities do. And, you know, as as just just as we, I, I always keep up, keep up to date on it and kind of look at what's going on with this. I've seen several rebate programs that have came out, like the one in the state of Connecticut, now require that bikes to be eligible for the, the rebate has to be UL 2849 compliant. So we're starting to see that from other other cities, other states, other municipalities. We're also hearing from our, our, our Denago dealer network that some of these, some of these 
standards like the like UL 2849, their insurance companies are asking them, are your bikes UL certified? Are they UL 2849 certified? You know, some of them are saying, hey, my landlord has been asking me if they rent the building that are, are the bikes UL certified? So there's a trickle effect. And, I, I, it's, I, and, and it's good for the industry, though. It's good for the industry. So are your bikes now certified for the complete bike thing, or you're in the process of it for some models or how does that work? So, so the, like going back to our team, um, when we first started forming the team, all, all of us have been involved in past lives with UL 2849 certification. And we recognize that it's extremely critical. So all our bikes from day one, we sold our first bike in April of 2022 They've been built to meet the UL 2849 standards. We knew that that was important. So we made sure that everything we have out in the market meets that standard. That being said, we are not certified. Um, we did not go through the testing. We submitted a couple months ago, and actually this week, our first six models have been certified. And then we have six more models going through that testing it's 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 time consuming and it you know as a startup company it's expensive it's expensive but it is it is the right thing to do it's the right thing for the industry it's the right thing for to make sure we support our dealers and it's the right thing to do to make sure we support our customers yeah i talked about it on a previous podcast a couple a year or two ago with someone with a different a different clean tech a clean tech charging adapter thing so it wasn't it wasn't an e-bike but he talked uh, quite a bit about how complicated and challenging the process is how much how long it takes and how much there's a back and forth and but that they they improve some things because of it so yeah i, I understand it's got to be even more complicated with full e-bikes so you said six models have have the full certification now yes and six are going through it and then i'm sure future models will have Everything going forward will be tested up front. Now, we, it's just, it's going to be something that we do regardless. So our new models in 2024 will all be UL certified. We're Quite frankly, we're catching up right now. Mm -hmm. Hello, listeners. My name is Scott Cooney, and I am Zach's business partner. I'm the founder of Cleantechnica, and I am so, so grateful to all of you avid Cleantech fans out there. We are thrilled to have been accelerating the Cleantech revolution for more than a decade now, and really that all starts with you. The decisions you make and your companies make are driving this revolution. I'm most happy to be able to say that if we at Cleantechnica had a nickel for every time we heard someone say that they purchased their first solar, their first EV, their first e-bike, or some other clean technology because of something they read on our website, Cleantechnica would have enough money to be a cable TV channel by now. But the thing is, we don't get those nickels. And as a result, our ability to move markets only goes so far. So I have a favor to ask. If you love what we do, and you feel that we're helping move the world to a better future, could you chip in a monthly contribution of five bucks, 10 bucks, or whatever you can? If even 1% of our audience chipped in $5 a month, we could really blow this thing up and move markets. So if you feel motivated and can spare the cost of one cup of coffee a month, please go to cleantechnica.com support and sign up through either PayPal or Patreon. Again, that's cleantechnica.com support. Thanks so much. And so where, what is, where are your bikes sold? What, what is your market? So we sell exclusively through the independent bike dealer market, the electric bike dealer market, or what I would call like specialty retail. The majority of our business goes through, the, through that channel. And how, and how many states? That's uh, 
You know, so we almost have 300 partners as of today, and we're in almost every state. I think we're missing four right now. Okay, so so the New York law will affect you because it's just a big market. But I mean, you're seeing that that sort of influence other other states as well. Yeah. And so it seems like as time goes on, potentially it spreads across the U.S. or or you think maybe half the market. But in any case, it's sort of like you adapt for the New York market and then once you've adapted for that, you're adapted for any, any, any changes, any market. Yeah. yeah you know, you adapt to the market, but it, like our, our philosophy, it, it's the right thing to do. So whether, whether when, when we, when we launched the company, whether New York was going to make that decision or not, that was even on our radar two years mm-hmm. ago. We just said, this is the right thing to do. We believe in it. We know it makes, it helps us design and manufacture a better product. So uh-huh. we went forward. Now, that being said, New York expedited everything. And I, I personally believe there'll be a trickle down effect, especially to some of the bigger cities where there's, you know, where there's a lot of urban living, there's high rises, there's yeah, people yeah. Bring, bring bikes upstairs, charging, charging on the on, on the apartment in their 30th floor. I, I think you'll see that more. I think you'll see legislature, let legislature be passed throughout the next few years yeah burn uh, a high-rise burning down is different from someone's garage <laughs> but neither, neither are good neither, neither are good but it's super unfortunate yeah, yeah but so so with with regard to the batteries had did that change at all who you're getting batteries from your battery supply or it's you were already getting from a battery supply that was certified yeah, so we our battery cells are from a a, a, a brand a well known brand name, um, Samsung or LG. So okay. they're certified. Um, and 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 there's a co- there's a cost associated with that, but that's the decision that we made going when we launched the the company that we would go with. Cells yeah, and I didn't. From a I didn't want. Brand. Yeah, I didn't want to get touchy and say, you know, if you're not a big famous battery company, you can't make good batteries. But it is an issue where yeah, Samsung SDI has produced the best batteries for i mean they're really top level batteries we used to have a bmw bmw i3 which had those batteries so i'm quite familiar with them but them and and lg chem they uh, lg energy solution now i should say uh, they produce really top level batteries so if you're buying from them if your e-bike has batteries from them you know you've got the best batteries you can get basically and if your e-bike doesn't have batteries from them and you don't know the company that the batteries came from you might think about it or at least make sure they're ul certified yeah so yeah, do consumers need to know anything about about the regulation or about this as they go forward? I mean, it seems to me as a consumer, I would want to make sure to get an e-bike that has these certifications, even if I'm not in New York City, you know, if I'm living in Florida, I'd be like, well, I know bike e-bikes can have these certifications, like they have to in New York to be sold there. So as a consumer anywhere else, I'm like, well, I want to make sure I get one of these e-bikes that follows what New York City thinks is basic requirement, right? Yeah, I think um, on the consumer side, it, 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 the, the, the e-bike consumer is a, is a pretty educated consumer. And, you know, the, the easiest thing is you just ask, you, you know, call, call, call the company. We have an 800 line and we do get calls. Are your bikes UL, are, are they UL compliant? 
And then, you know, you, you start asking, you got to ask some questions like, you, you know, UL2849, UL2271, what, what are you looking for? But first thing is for the consumer, they should ask. Compli- and, and I'll tell you what, um, compliance, as I mentioned before, it, it's an expensive test. Companies talk about it, right? When you when you invest money in it, we, you know, we talk about it. Um, I saw a, a, a competitive brand um, just put a press release out. So you'll, the company will tell you tell you about it. But you should be aware because there's product out there that's not UL certified, not UL compliant, and those are the then then you should really take a hard look at what that product yeah. is. And as you said, I mean this this it's not cheap, so it's part of you have to work it into the cost of the bike and everything to to be profitable. So I think just something to keep in mind when you're e-bike shopping: don't just get the cheapest bike yeah. because it's the cheapest bike. Uh, you know, you know, check to make sure that it's it's got the safety certifications and the, the the kind of tech that you want want to make sure you have to to not be disappointed or have a fire issue. But yeah, well, I think that covers my questions. I'm curious. I guess one more is so that this was not really how did how did this legislation come about? Like this was not really on our radar before it happened, and boom, it happened. I mean, New York City has sort of had. They've jumped out in front on a lot of things with whether it's scooters, bikes in in regulatory ways. But how how did it pop up? If you know, if you don't know, that's fine. And do you see anything else sort of developing in the coming years, like in this vein, like kind of uh, any any other kind of changes to to regulatory practices or or industry practices? Yeah, I think. I mean, in, in my experience, and um, I, I think so give credit to UL. Um, UL has been pushing for this for a while, right? And and, and regardless, biking industry, um, you know, UL is light bulbs, um, extension cords. I'm sure when UL started working with like the extension cord industry, it's a, it's a, it's a big boulder to push uphill, right? There's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of companies and it took a while for UL to get everyone on board and it took a while for the bike industry to get get on board. So I, I think UL has done a great job of, of creating the awareness. And I think um, they've been they've been pushing for it for a while. I think specifically to New York. You know, New York, um, in my opinion, has a lot of what I call direct import bikes that come in on containers that don't that are not compliant. And I think they've had some, you know, obviously you can you can read the newspapers. There's been some issues with those bikes. So with with the amount of those bikes in the city of New York, the city had to do something. So they they took they took matters in their own hands because UL 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 cannot enforce a state law, right? That they can influence it, they can recommend it, and and they've done that. And then it takes our politicians and our legislatures to get together and pass something. Yeah, and it's just something that's been interesting with e-bikes from the beginning. You know, you get it; they go faster, and they're they have uh, more you know electronic technology included. So it's like it goes from a very de- decentralized human scale, human speed device or or transportation option to something that gets faster and faster. And I mean, there's always always a question of like how fast is too fast to be a bike? You know, what when does it become a scooter or whatever? or a motorcycle. And I mean, I, I lived in the Netherlands for five months and they were sort of, notor- they had sort of a notorious issue with some of these small scooters 
using all the bike facilities as well. And you don't really appreciate it when you're biking at a nice cruiser and a, a small scooter comes flying by. And there's all these like intricacies with regulations that you have to pass and then have to implement as well, which is a whole nother story. But I think going to that speed factor, I think that's probably the next topic that will will we'll get a lot of attention is all our bikes are rated class one, class two, or class three, right? So that there's classifications and that's a combination of speed and whether they have a throttle control or not. Like you said, there's e-bikes out there that class three tops out at 28 miles per hour. There's e-bikes out there. I mean, you, you can see them on YouTube. 40 miles per hour, 45 miles per hour. So I don't, I, I, I personally don't think that's an e-bike. That's something else. So I, I think that's going to be a, another topic that 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 you might have a, you might have an expert on your on your podcast on that yeah. at some point. Yeah, I agree. And a throttle is an interesting one. We have one of our three e-bikes has a throttle. And I love the throttle, but I also am like, I don't feel like I'm biking when I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm gonna like so it's and it's just yeah, it's a very different experience. So I think it's something that needs to be considered and yeah, and you know, discussed as well in certain scenarios. But yeah, well, thank you for your time on this. Really appreciate learning more about it and about Denago. Do you have any final words? Anything we we missed or you wanted to add on to? No, I, I one, I appreciate you having me on the show for this topic. It's extremely important and it's it's best to get the word out and educate the consumers. And for anyone listening, we have an 800 number, 877-755-2453. I like to think we have the best customer service group in the industry. And you have any questions on UL, e-bikes, you're interested in e-bike, we're here to help. And we're here to get you riding because that's what we love. And you get to talk to a human, yeah? And you get to talk, yeah, absolutely. A well, human. that's the critical. Right, I mean, right here in Dallas, yes. It's rare these days. So it's always nice when you have a human on the other line. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good luck with your business and, you know, dealing with these uh, changes in the industry as they come. Perfect. Thank, thank you. you so much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.